2, verse 1. Gather together, yes, gather, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just command. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Father, we do pray that you in your kindness would speak to us now. We pray that you would sharpen our hearts. And and God, we pray that you would indeed humble us as we think about this word, that we would not be arrogant and be like the exultant city. But God, we would be humble uh, before you. And at the due time that you and you alone would lift us up. So bless the preaching of your word now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, those of you who are here on Sunday, you probably even heard something very similar uh, to the, the text uh, from Ecclesiastes chapter 9. It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before. Uh, there is the, kind of that section in chapter 12. And you see the same thing here, this kind of, this, this appeal, this to, the gather together, O shameless nation, gather together, come before the Lord, seek righteousness, seek humility before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like the chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of anger of the Lord. This is just a reminder that the day of anger is coming. The day of God's wrath is coming, and it cannot be uh, avoided. Uh, therefore, before it comes, seek righteousness and seek humility. And you, what you see is, is God kind of uh, ushering in this, this appeal yet again to his people. Uh, but the judgment that's going to fall upon uh, this nation is primarily going to fall upon God's enemies and the enemies of God's people. And we see that in our text uh, today. So the first thing we see is we see the destruction of God's enemies, the destruction of God's enemies. So look at verse 4. It says, For Gaza shall be deserted, and Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, you nation of the Sherithites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. And you, O seacoast, shall be pastures with meadows for shepherds and folds for flocks. And he really just kind of begins and just kind of starts naming off nations who are against the Lord. Now, if you're one of the people of Israel and you were hearing these nations, uh, you would have taken a little bit of joy in this because these nations have been those who are trying to be destructive against uh, Israel. You know, in America, it doesn't have... uh, enemies per se. We have enemies in the world, but we don't have kind of like that, that the hatred towards another nation, right? There may be certain nations that we may not like, but there's not like that daily nation that, that's surrounding us that we really despise. I haven't met many Americans that just say, I really hate Canada. You know, I really despise Mexico, right? Where we're had those are the two, our two neighbors to the north and south, like, they may be inconvenient, right? Um, Canadians may talk funny occasionally, uh, and we, don't, we may not like hockey as much as they do, but it's not like something that there's, there's, it is hatred. Well, the, the Jewish people would have hated these nations, and these nations surrounding them would have hated the Jews. Um, I was listening to a podcast this morning and just talked about uh, the recent um, uh, agreement, the Abraham Accords that were signed, and how much uh, uh, animosity has kind of developed in the Muslim world uh, because against those two that signed the treaty with uh, the, uh, America, uh, the UAE and, and Bahrain. 
Um, because there was, there was hatred between the, 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 the Israel state and the Palestinian state. There, there, was, there was animosity there. So when the people of God heard these nations, and God in his right and just judgment was going to exercise his divine wrath against these nations, the people of God would have been moved. Now, he already warned the people of God in this very book that I'm going to bring judgment first on the people of God, that I'm going to bring judgment first on the people of, of Judah, because the people of Judah are looking more like the world than they are like the people of God. So the, the, the remnant, the ones who were continuing to bow before the Lord and serve Yahweh, those who uh, sought the Lord in humility and in righteousness, they would have been comforted. But I just want you to draw out that just that verse 5, the ending of that verse, it says, the Lord says, the word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. Uh, the, the, the somber reality is that anyone who stands against the Lord will be destroyed. Now, if you are here tonight and you are not a follower of Christ, if you're watching online or listening to this much later than what it is delivered, know this, that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, are, you stand as an enemy of God and you will face his right and just wrath. And he says, on the day of the Lord, no inhabitant will survive. No one outside of those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will be safe. There is destruction for all because we all have sinned. And the consequences of sin is death. And it's not just a literal death as we looked about even this past Sunday, that, that our bodies are wasting away. And we know that death is coming for us all. We can't d deny that. But it's, it's an eternal death. Because when we sin against a holy, eternal God, the punishment must fit the crime, and the crime, therefore, must be eternal if it's going to be fair. As a warning to us, I pray that we would gather together. We would seek humility and seek righteousness before its time. Even as we look forward to this Sunday's text at the end of Ecclesiastes, it says that, that God is going to bring all things to judgment, all things secret. I pray that if there's anything in our life right now that is not fitting of the Lord, that we would repent before it's too late. But not only do we see the destruction of God's enemies, we see, number, number two, the, the deliverance of God's people, the deliverance of God's people. Look at verse 7. It says, the seacoast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which they shall graze. And in the houses of Ashkelon, they shall lie down at evening. For the Lord, their God, will be mindful of them and restore their fortunes. Now, if you have lived in a kind of a wartime era, uh, this, this picture would have been a very beautiful picture. Uh, because when you're in wartime and you're always worried about your enemies attacking you, you don't graze. You don't walk in the field and just kind of slowly meander about the fields and looking at the sun and, and, and picking up, um, you know, berries in the field. You are on the ready. You're, 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 you're tensed up. Um, so uh, my wife and I used to live in Washington, D.C., and um, we'd come down to, to Rock Hill, um, and Rock Hill for us was kind of like the land of milk and honey. Right? It was the land of, of blessing. And when you're in D.C., it kind of felt like you were at war all the time. 
There was just this intensity of it. And we would drive south, and as soon as we would kind of like get about 45 minutes outside the city, you could almost feel the tension leaving your body, right? Uh, there's no reason, there's a reason why we moved to, to, to Rock Hill, South Carolina, because this is a beautiful, peaceful place. But that intensity just kind of grips you. So what God is saying here, to the remnant of the people of God, those who have lived a war-torn life, those who have battled enemy after enemy after enemy, the enemies may have won in this life, but it's going to be reversed. I'm going to deliver you, and you are going to graze in the fields. What does it say? It says you are going to lie down at evening. I mean, just think about all the different enemies that happen at night. If you've ever gone, gone camping and you've laid uh, in your tent and you hear some rustling outside, you get, you get a little nervous. Now imagine if there's no tent and you're just laying in a field. And I remember the kind of wild animals that are, are experienced out there in, in the Middle East. You know, there were, animals would have been plenty. Uh, and they would have been lied down in, in peace. Why? For the Lord their God will be mindful of them and restore their fortunes. This is the beauty of our God. Uh, the beauty of our God is that he says, if you trust me, if you seek humility, if you seek righteousness, I will be mindful of you. Uh, I will reverse your fortunes in the, the life that is uh, to come. I will be with you. And isn't it great that God is mindful of us? That God, God knows all your sins. God knows all your mistakes. God knows all that you've done. And yet he came for you anyway. He came for you with, 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 with abandonment. He came with you with, with this, this, this love that is, that is profound to say, you are mine. And he, he came for us and then he died for us when we were his enemies. And isn't it amazing that even here, He's talking to the enemies of Judah, those who were intent to kill the people of God. And even they are, are welcome to repent, to seek humility and to seek righteousness and find favor. We see that even in, in, in the days of Moses, when, when they left Egypt, the people of God were not just the, the people of Israel. But they had foreigners with them and Egyptians with them as well who bowed before the one true God. Beloved, it is a great thing that our God is mindful of us. And that is clearly seen in that God sending the Lord Jesus Christ to live and to die and to be raised on our behalf. Look at verse 8. You see this marker of what is depicted of those who are the enemies of God. And really what you see here is you see pride. You see the pride of the heart. Look at verse 8. I have heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Ammonites, how they have taunted my people and made boast against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom, the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and waste forever. The remnant of my people shall plunder them, and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. This shall be their lot in return for their pride, because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome against them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and to him shall bow down each in its place all the lands of the nations." You also, O Cushites, shall be slain by the sword. 
He will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. He will make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like the desert. Herds shall lie down in her midst, all kinds of beasts, even the owl and the hedgehog shall lodge in her capitals. A voice shall hoot in the window. Devastation will be on the threshold. For her cedar work will be laid bare. And you can just see that God is going to destroy all these people. But notice that why is he going to do it? Yes, he's, he's going to do it partly because how they acted. The taunts and the revilings of the people of God uh, or the people, God's enemies against the people of God. But notice what, what the root is right there in verse um, 10. This shall be their lot. Their destruction will be deserved. This will be the lot that they have earned for what they have done in return. That's a, that's a payment in return for their pride because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. Anytime you read the Lord of hosts, you want to be thinking an enemy, uh, not an enemy, but an army, right? The Lord of hosts is God is the one who is the, the leader of a, a giant army that's going to come and destroy those who stand against the Lord. Now, uh, we, we need to be very clear here that God hates the prideful heart. Now, we see that in, in the gospel uh, or the book of James, 1 Peter, same, same quote, God opposes the proud. Literally, God is against the, pro, the, the proud of heart, but gives grace to the humble. In Exodus uh, chapter 5, verse 2, um, Pharaoh um, said these words. Um, it says, in our hearts, we say as Pharaoh did, who is the Lord that I should obey him? You know, we often want to kind of look, well, we're not the prideful, we're not the enemies of God, we're not the ones standing against the Lord, but know this, is anytime we say, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Every time we sin, what we're saying is that we know best, that, that God does not know what's best for us. We can do what we want. So the prideful heart is these, these sayings that kind of creep into our minds. My opinion is better. I am right. I am self-made. I am worthy of honor. Because oftentimes when we get angry or, 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 or jealous of others, we, we kind of look at what we think we deserve, that we are worthy of, and what we're not getting. Or what we don't deserve. I don't deserve this. I deserve better. There's these thoughts that kind of creep up in our hearts. I don't need anyone leading me, giving me wisdom, even God, to help me. Friends, we have to be very careful of, of, of the pride that's in our own hearts. It leads to sorrow, self-pity, anger, envy, jealousy. It leads to God's wrath. Now, you know, one day we're going to stand, if we are proud of heart, thinking that we don't need the Lord and that we can stand on our own merit. If we think that we are going to stand before God because of the good works that we've done, because of the acts of service we've done for the church, we are sadly mistaken because we are sinners and we desperately need a Savior. We need to be humble. We need to mourn and grieve over our sin and then we will be comforted. We need to be, to be meek if we are going to inherit the earth. We need to, to bow before God and confess our sin if we want to experience salvation. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Proverbs 8, 13. So to fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord is to walk in, in, in righteousness. Uh, and we want to make sure that we, we, we are not prideful. Uh, and how often are the arguments in our own lives because of our own pride? I mean, I've seen arguments and, and disagreements happen within, in the life of our own church in the last 
a little um, few months, and what have I seen? I've, I've seen it's because of pride. People unwilling to, 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 to be humble with how they hold their opinions. Look at how this end of Zephaniah chapter 3 describes this, verse 15. It says, this is the exultant city that lives securely. Kind of speaking about all the, the, these nations kind of collectively. This is the exultant city that lives securely that said in her heart, I am, and there is no one else. What a desolation she has become, a, a lair for wild beasts. Everyone who passes by her hisses and shakes his fist. Now you, can, you know that I am and there is no one else is something that God says throughout the scripture, all throughout the prophets. God is the only I am, and he's the only one that can say there is no one else. But here's the thing. We do this all the time. When, when we kind of get into arguments and our pride starts to get best of us, what we basically say is that I am and, and there is no one else. I can do what I want when I want. I, I, I don't have to justify myself to anybody because I am my own maker. I am the one who rules my own life. Now, we may not even realize that we're doing it, but there are certain things sometimes that, that, that can control us and we don't even know it, Right? So you are laying down on the couch on Saturday and the football game is on and you really want to watch that football game, right? And your spouse asks you to take out the trash. Now you have a moment there where you can think about others and serve your, your spouse or you can think that, that I am... And there is no one else. What's most important for me is watching this football game. How dare you ask me to do something when I'm doing something that I want to do? That never happens to any of you, right? You know, whether it's the football or something else, it's your comfort. Like, I, I have this task to do, sweetie, and I really have to, to, to order these groceries before I go do this. I can't do this for you right now. These, these are the things that kind of well up in us. Because the pride of the heart is subtle and it, it draws us in and it says that you want to say, I am, and there's no one else. That's the exultant city that stands against God. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So when we have these, these relationships in our, in our lives and in our homes, we have to ask ourselves, am I living in pride or am I living in humility? Because the essence, the essence of the Christian life is humility. Jesus showed that. Right? I mean, how many times have you, have, you, have you read that verse in Philippians? That he, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. He emptied himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. But that's not how it ends, is it not? Therefore, Therefore, God shall give him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What you see here is this reversal in life. Those who are against God and against God's people, they may prosper now, but they will face the right and just wrath of God. As we close, let me, let's just turn to the New Testament and see how Jesus shows us this in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. 
If you read through the Gospel of Luke, what you see, you see this reversal the entire time. Uh, Luke, one of, the, one of Luke's themes is this reversal. Those who are, who are rich, or rich now will be poor. Those who are poor will be rich. And we see this in, in, in uh, Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19, the story of rich man and Lazarus. Uh, I'll just read this, make a comment, and then we'll, we'll close. Luke, not, Luke 16, beginning in verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. So you see this exalted man living in luxury, sumptuously feasting, the man, all he wanted was the crumbs at his table. Even the dogs, the, the, the wild animals would come and lick and serve this man's sores. But the rich, proud man did nothing but walked by him because I am and there's no one else. My life is most important. Verse 22, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Now, remember what the text said. The day of the Lord's coming, the day of his wrath. This is a picture of it. He is in torment. He is in anguish. Verse 25, but Abraham said, child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this between us, you us and you, our great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, none may cross from there to us. You know, I think that we can take great comfort to know this, beloved, that our lives may be rough here and now, but there's a promise that those who know Christ, their fortunes will be restored because the Lord has been mindful of us, so mindful of us that he has solved our greatest problem the indemnity that we have between ourselves and God by sending the Lord Jesus Christ to die as an enemy so that we could be forgiven through his death and resurrection. Look at verse 27. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest also come into this place of torment. Please send someone to my, to my, to my family. Tell them to, 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 not to be here before it's too late. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. They have Moses and Zephaniah. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should, be, should rise from the dead. The prophets and Moses said that there was going to be someone to come who was going to die and to come back from 
the grave. And we praise God that that is true in the Lord Jesus. It's in the Moses, the, the, the book of the law. It's in the prophets. We just have to believe. And the reason why we don't believe God's word is not because the word's on the page. It's because of our own pride. We have a prideful heart. We are that exultant city that says, I am and there is no one else. Beloved, let us never live in that prideful heart. But let us humble ourselves. Let us fall upon the mercy of God and say, you, you and you alone are God. And there is no one else. And when we do that, we will know that our Lord, our God, will be mindful of us. Father, we thank you that in your kindness you were mindful of us in Christ. We pray, God, that as we experience pain and sorrow in this life, we will look for that day when our fortunes will be reversed. And God, we pray that we would grieve those in our life who are far from you, those who are walking in pride, and we would beg them, God, to, to turn to you before, before the day of wrath, that they would seek humility and seek righteousness. God, we thank you that we are your remnant, chosen as your people to live for your glory. We pray that we would do so faithfully until that day comes. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.